This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'm going to start reading from verse 33. We started this last week, and so I want to finish it off this week. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And while he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head. And he clothed him with his armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. We started speaking about this last week, and I'd like to continue with that. And what I've titled this morning is The Seed of the Power of Life. The Seed of the Power of Life. The interaction that's that's taking place between... Saul and David in this moment is something which is far more significant than just an interaction between two individuals. It's representative of a a far deeper meaning. And when you start to have a look at what's happening there, there, there are approaches to how they want to deal with a situation in life. And one of them is having a look at what he has. One of them is having a look at his abilities while the other is having a look at God's influence. One of them is, each of them has a different view and perspective as to how things are going to turn out. Both of them have the same situation and they're caught in a dialogue and they're talking about the situation and the problem that's confronting them. And both of them not only view the situation differently, but their disposition is different, their approach is different, and how they want to deal with the situation is completely different. What they're really talking about are possibilities. And the problem is that Saul's having a look and saying, I don't see possibilities where we are. And David's sitting saying, you're missing the possibilities. They're right in front of you. They're talking at odds with one another. If you have a look at Luke chapter 18 and verse 27, it says, things that are impossible with man become possible with God. Things that are impossible with man become possible with God. What are the possibilities of your life? We talk about a Christianity that's supposed to be transformational, not only changing who I am and what I'm all about, but has a direct impact and influence on the way that I live. It talks about possibilities. The possibilities that I can walk into are going to be very different if I'm a Saul as opposed to a David. The possibilities of my life are defined by where I put my confidence You, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of overlap between last week and this week because it's the only way that I can move forward to kind of bridge the gap on some things. But we spoke last week about the fact that you were built for the earth, but you were designed to live from God. You were built for the earth, but you were designed to live from God. If you have a look 
or Jeremiah 1 verse 5. It says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. He's talking about Jeremiah. He's saying everything that happened in your life, I was aware of before you were even conceived. I considered every part of who you are. What he's saying was in order for you to accomplish the purpose that I'm making you for, I want you to be aware of the fact that I'm going to equip you for that. As a result of it, what he's sitting saying is, I'm going to give you the gifts that you need. I'm going to give you the mindset that you need. I'm going to give you the talents and the abilities that you need. I'm equipping you and I'm building you for the earth. I'm putting some stuff on the inside of you that makes you who you are and makes you different to different people. That's why I never look at anybody else and sit and say, they are better than me in an area or they're different to me or they're excelling in something and maybe I should be doing that. You weren't built for their purpose. You were built for your purpose. You were built for the earth and God has gifted you to fulfill what he's, he's built you for. That's why you are different. That's why you're unique to everybody else. You were built for the earth, but you were designed to live in relationship with God. The first things that God says when he created man is he blessed him and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion. What is he saying? He was talking to man about man's role. He was sitting saying, because of who I've created you to be and because you live out of relationship with me, I've built you to be able to live on the earth. But I need for you to understand that if you want to walk into the fullness of blessing, if you want to walk into fruitfulness, if you want to walk into authority, if you want to walk into what it means to be a dominion figure, you're going to have to get that out of relationship with me. There are things that we get that we were built from, and there are things that we get as a result of relationship with God. Both of them are important. Don't discount one or the other. Christians have a tendency to sit and say, you know what? I want to get rid of all of my natural stuff because I'm a spiritual being. You are a spiritual being, but God built you for both things. You have a plan and a purpose and, a, and an intention that he put you on this earth for. And you need to fulfill that. In order to you, for you to fulfill that, you need both why you were built and relationship. You've got to have both things. It's not possible to, be have a, to be a spiritual being without having a natural manifestation. If you want to walk into God's healing, where does it manifest? If you want to walk into God's prosperity, where does it manifest? The things of the spiritual are designed to have influence in the natural. Why? Because I built you for a reason, but you're designed to live out of relationship with me. And when I bring those two things together, things start to happen in our lives. The problem that Saul had is that, problem, is that Saul understood and knew why he was built but he wasn't living out a relationship with God. When we understand why we are built and we are accustomed to our abilities and we're able to manage our life and we live from a place where we are so capable, the challenge with it is we step into managing those things. I take control and I take ownership of my life. And when I take ownership of my life, there is no room for influence. When I take control of my life, the challenge that I have is I don't see Goliath the way that David sees him. David is sitting saying, don't you understand the greater one and what he's capable of doing? And Saul's sitting saying, you're not going to be able to succeed in this. You're too young and you're inexperienced and you don't have what it takes and you don't have the training and you don't have the skill and you're not big enough. But I will, I'll give you my armor. 
What is he saying? He was looking at him from the way that he was built. He was looking at him from the way that he was put together. And he was sitting saying, if I look at what you can take and your abilities and your gifting, you don't have what it takes to be successful in life. That's what relationship with Christ is all about. He introduces us to possibilities that I'm not able to step into when I take ownership of my life. The whole purpose of grace is to sit and say, there's something new I can offer you, but you're going to have to let go of that ownership and grab hold of relationship. I've got to do something because all of a sudden I can begin to step into something new. I can begin to step into something different. Your gifting and the way that you were built is not a bad thing. Never shun the way you were built. You were created and built for a purpose. You see, if we live from our works, it gives us the ability to be able to do certain things. It gives us the ability to be able to run our lives. It gives us the ability to even be moral. The challenge with it is, unless we live from relationship with him, we never engage power. We never engage power. We need resurrection power in our life because resurrection power changes things. Resurrection power is what's important. If you look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, I'm keeping Don on the ball today. I've given her a whole string of them. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. Be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. The things that Jesus has done is he's paid the price for us to step into righteous living. When we speak about righteous, let me give you an analogy that may be helpful for you. If you speak about something is, that is infectious, What it's saying is, that is the source of stuff that causes infection. So if you touch that, you've got a strong possibility of catching the infection. Righteous is the same thing. Righteous is the source of all things right. God's sitting saying, there is a way that is right, and I have a monopoly on it. But if you want to step into what right is all about, I can do that for you. You can't do it in your natural ability. You need resurrection power. Because resurrection power makes old things new. Resurrection power will change you from who you are and introduce you to righteous living. You're a righteous being. Jesus already paid the price. I already have that on the inside of me. But I want it to be experiential in my life. So I have to step into it in the way that I think and the way that I feel and the way that I behave and my disposition to giants. If the fruit... If the fruit of self-righteousness is dead works, the fruit of Christ-righteousness is resurrection power. You see, the fruit of self-righteousness, the things that I can do, never delivers life. But if I can grab a hold of what he's done, if I recognize what Christ has done, if I can move myself to a place where I can sit and say, I see it and I want it to be a part of who I am. I move myself to a place where I can touch something which is resurrection power and which is transformational. It changes me. It makes, brings dead things to life. 
When you're living from a place of resurrection power, you can have a look at a giant and sit and say, you know what? I knew that everything looked dark and I knew that it looked bleak and I knew that we weren't gonna win and I know that things look so terrible and I know that you're offering me your your armor, but I want you to know something. I've got something called resurrection power and it says hope exists. Saul couldn't see it. Saul had no idea. The thing about resurrection power is this. In order to step into what God has for us, we have to move to a place where we agree with God. If we are in disagreement with God, what we're doing is we put ourselves at a place where we are at odds with what he's thinking. God's God's sitting saying, I want you to invite you into a place of righteousness, rightness. That thing which is right, which is going to be infectious. And what will happen is when you put your life in there, it will begin to change you. And once it changes you, it begins to change your disposition and the way that you handle life. It changes all of those things. But I have to agree with God. If I don't agree with God, it's not possible to do. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. The righteousness of God. What it's saying is Jesus has already done everything necessary for you to step into right living. He is not coming back. He's not going to change anything. It's all already done. And because he's already done that, it's up to us to start to discover what that's all about and to begin to mobilize and move our life. That's why in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, what did Jesus say? Jesus says, repent, believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. What is he saying? Oh, things have been made available to you. When it talks about the good news, what it's saying is it's talking to us about righteousness. It's talking to us about what Jesus did for us so that we could walk into right living. And so every time you get a revelation of Christ and what he's done, what it's doing is it's showing you part of the goodness of God. It's showing you how much he's loving you. He's showing you and inviting you into a new way of living. That's what revelation is all about. Sorry, this thing's just... That's what revelation is all about. It's revealing an aspect of who he is. And when he reveals himself, what he's doing is he's inviting you to take that and appropriate it for yourself and changing and moving your life so that you step into something like that. Repentance is our response. Repentance is our response to the good news. Every time the Holy Spirit comes and he says... I know what you're dealing with. I understand the challenge that you have. I understand the thing that you're facing right at the moment. Let me speak to you about how I would handle it. Let me speak to you a little bit about what Jesus has done so that it can migrate you from where you are to a position of right dealing with the situation. That's what he's revealing to us. The opportunity that I have once I have that revelation is to make a decision about what I want to do. That's called repentance. Repentance is all about responding to Jesus. That's why repentance is not a sin issue. Repentance is a faith issue. What repentance says is, you know what? I recognize what Jesus has done. I recognize what's available to me. And as a result of that, I'm moving my life in that direction. I'm leaving some... I need to get this fixed. Sorry, this is... I don't know. Can, Can somebody fix it? 
Um, the, the thing about it is, where was I up to? It's our response to it. That's why, no, it just, it keeps pulling. I don't know what the problem is. That's good. That's Better? good. Yeah. It's our response to what Christ has done. That's why righteousness is a faith issue. It's not a sin issue. Because if it was a sin issue, all I end up doing is sitting saying, I shouldn't be in this place. So I start running away from what I shouldn't be doing. But you could run anywhere. It's a faith issue because it's recognizing I appreciate so much what Christ has done. And as a result of that, I'm moving my life towards who he is. I'm moving my life towards Jesus. I'm moving my life so that it begins to transform and be changed and conform to his image. I'm stepping into something new. That's what repentance is all about. It's about changing me. When we use terms like renewing your mind, renewing your mind is a substitute. It's a synonym for repentance. What it's saying is I'm getting my thinking fixed. I'm changing the way that I consider life and who I am and my circumstances. And I realize that he's got a perspective on it. And not only does he have a perspective, but he's got the monopoly on what's right. And he says, here it is. What do you want to do with it? It becomes important to us because when we live from a place of revelation, it gives us the, the, the opportunity to understand what God has for us. And when we understand that, it begins to change the way that we think and the way that we consider. The way that, you, the way that you're thinking becomes consequential because all of the things that you believe have their root in what you think about. That's why he's saying repentance is important because when you understand repentance is looking at Jesus, it's looking at what Christ has, has made available to us and I start to consider those things. I put myself in a place where I allow the influence of all that he's accomplished. I allow the influence of grace to flow into my life and affect my heart, my beliefs. What did Jesus say? He didn't just say repent for the good news is here. He said repent and believe the good news. Why? Because when I start to get my mind renewed and I recognize what grace is all about, I put myself in a place where I begin to allow the good news, where I begin to allow grace to come in and to inform the foundation of my life. I begin to live differently because I believe differently. In a practical way, what God is sitting saying is, I'm giving you the stepping stones to walk into your destiny. I'm trying to tell you that I created you and I built you for the earth. But when you come into relationship with me, what I'm going to begin to do is I'm going to start giving you revelation. I'm going to start seeding your life with opportunities to sit and say, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm wanting to make this change. I'm moving in this direction. Why? Because my destiny is important to me. And the only way that I can realize my destiny is when I connect with the one who made me. Otherwise, I'm guessing. I hope it works, but I'm guessing. Knowing about righteousness is not enough. We have to let it affect our beliefs. We have to be responsive to when God says to us, you know what, there is a right way to do this. When we have the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us with regularity, what you'll end up doing is as you navigate and move through life, you'll find that you feel a check about certain things. I feel uncomfortable about this. I feel like I want to stop for a moment and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say because he's speaking. 
He's talking to you. He's taking little bits of revelation that may not be in that moment, but have been stored up over a period of time. And what ends up happening is he's using the seed. He's watering the seed. And that's why the time that you came to church three months ago and you thought, oh, well, that was okay, but not that great. All of a sudden, he's starting to take a little piece of that and doing something with it. Why? Because he's starting to say it has relevance right now. I want to invite you into something new. What are you going to do with it? People stay the way that they are because they know the good news, but they do nothing with it. They do. do you know that Jesus, when he walked, he actually he, he took quite a strong line with the religious people of the day and with the elders. And it's in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, no, Matthew, I think. Matthew chapter 21, verse 32. He says, John showed you the way of righteousness but you wouldn't repent and believe. John showed you the way of righteousness, but you wouldn't repent and believe. What he was saying was this. It was available to you. You could have done something with it, but you didn't. It's not enough for us to go to church. It's not enough for us to read books. It's not even enough for us to read our Bible unless we prepare to take that and sit and say, I don't want to be who I was. I'm interested in who I'm becoming. I don't want to live where I was. I want to move into a place where I sit and say, you know what? I need your influence in my life because I want to step into a new dimension. How do we, de- how do we define success? Worldly success is defined by what I'm able to do and what I'm able to accomplish as a result of how I'm built. I'll take my natural gifting, my talents, my abilities, my skill sets, my intellect, my history, my training. I'll take all of those things and I'll collectively use those to gain a degree of success in whatever area. But God doesn't define success that way. God defines success as understanding that you were built for the earth, but you were designed to live out of relationship. You see, unless I have the relational component to it, God looks at it and says, I've been absent from your life. You see, when he's absent, it's dangerous because I can run off and I can do certain things and I can go and I can even be accomplished and successful and famous and wealthy and, and I get all kinds of stuff, but I have no influence. I have no influence. And if I have no influence, I always run the risk of not stepping into my destiny and my purpose. The thing about it is we were all gifted for a reason, but I can never step into the fullness of who he's called me to be unless I integrate relationship with gifting. I have to have both of those things. When we simply live on, our, on why, how we were built, we have an idea that this is the trajectory of my life. And the thing is, we can get roughly a pretty accurate one. Just because if you have a look at somebody's natural gifting, you know. If you're creative, you probably weren't to be in a call to be an accountant. Creativity and accounting are not a good mix. Never the two shall meet. People have ended up in jail for stuff like that. The point is, if you start to look at your gifting, it starts to give you an, in, an indication. You feel inclined to move in certain ways. But the fulfillment and the full expression of what God's called you to do and the ability to step into his real purpose for your life is only manifest when we step into relationship with who he is and we marry that to the way that we were built. We have to do something with what he's called us to do. The challenge 
And what was so difficult for Saul was that he was so stuck. He was so stuck and caught in how he was built that he couldn't relate to David. And David was so overwhelmed with God's influence in his life that all he could do is talk about where he's been. All he could talk about was bears and lions. All he could talk about was overcoming. And Saul couldn't see it. If we are more aware of what I'm capable of doing as opposed to what God can do through me, I'll never see the value of a slingshot. Saul couldn't see the value of a slingshot. I'll give you my armor instead. You see, the thing about God is, God is going to work with what you have. But unless we're able to live out a relationship with him, what we have in the hand, we may not recognize the value of what's sitting right there. Did you ever think that the hem of his coat would be important? And yet a woman said, if I can just touch it, I'll be healed. If I can just touch the hem, I'll be healed. What about feeding 5,000 people? How about five loaves and two fish? You see, if I view my life and I view what I have in my hand right at the moment from a natural perspective, I'll miss the value of what I'm looking at. God has given each of you stuff that you're sitting with right at the moment. And what I'm telling you is that you may be sitting on a gold mine. I'm not talking necessarily in terms of wealth. It could be in a multitude of things. You could be sitting on something that stands the potential to bless you in the most incredible ways. But you don't see it because I'm busy looking at it from how I've been built as opposed to how a relationship with him. When I shift my view and I suddenly see things, suddenly I, I recognize that there are potentials and opportunities available to me that I never saw before and I begin to value the slingshot as opposed to the armor Jesus recognized that and Jesus lived that way that's why Jesus says in John chapter 5 in verse I think it's 18 or 19 he says the son can do nothing of himself except what he sees the father do what is he saying I can do nothing of myself it's everything has to do with the father He put himself at a place of humility where he recognized, I was built for purpose. I know what my purpose is, but I'm living out of relationship. And I'm giving the sway and the influence to God's, um, and I'm giving the sway and the weight to God's influence in my life. That is priority to me. That's what's most consequential to me. I can do nothing of myself. It is the seed in which the secret to power is hidden. I can do nothing of myself. It was something that David lived by. And as a result of that, he was able to do incredible things. When we get to the place of humility where we recognize I can do nothing of myself, the slingshot becomes important. When I recognize I can do nothing of myself, it moves me to a place where I begin to have a look at him and his influence in my life. And I recognize that unless he comes through for me, I'm in trouble. Because it's about dependence and relationship. It changes everything. 
a God of love and a God of goodness who loves you so very much is waiting to give everything to the person who is prepared to have nothing. It sounds so simple, and yet in that is an enormous challenge. Because we're so accustomed and we're so comfortable in our ability to manage life, to control life. We're so comfortable in the fact that if you leave it up to me, I kind of know what the outcome is going to be. But if you're asking me to move away from that and to embrace dependence, I don't know that I have history with something like that. The reason bears and lions are important is because we've got to start somewhere. Because there's going to come a time in our life where Goliath's going to arrive. And I need to have that. But when I can step into that place of confidence, knowing that he will do it, it changes everything. I want to leave you with one last thought. In that moment, in the interaction between Saul and David, what they didn't recognize either one of them, was that everything that represented where Israel had been had come eye to eye with where Israel was going. Everything that was who they were, their natural ability and their inclination on self-dependence has come face to face with the anointing and the presence which was to define their future. David had a heart after God. That's where he was going. What I'm telling you is this. The presence and the anointing, the presence and the power is not where you were. The presence and the power is in righteous living. It's ahead of you. As you begin to migrate your life out of the way that I think it should be and how I think it should work and what I feel I'm entitled to do and how I want to handle the situation and how I want to behave in a circumstance. As we begin to move from that and we move into his design, what ends up happening is you'll discover him in righteousness. When you discover him in righteousness, possibilities open up because he never arrives without resurrection power. You don't find him where I was. I find him where I'm going. That's why our destiny is so important to us. Because our destiny is more than ultimately fulfilling a a mission for God. Our destiny is all about changing parts of our lives with regularity. Our destiny is all about sitting saying, I'm not the person today that I used to be yesterday. Because I discovered something new. And I'm relying and I'm looking for the Holy Spirit to use resurrection power to change me. Because I want to be somebody different. In the week ahead, my encouragement to you is this. Recognize the fact that you were built for the earth, but designed to live from relationship. Have a look at the reconciliation of those two elements. What does it mean in your life? How do you take your gifting and your ability, those things that you're passionate about and that stuff that you love? It's there with intent. It didn't happen by accident. It was put in you because he built you that way. What if I was to take that and marry it with the presence and the power? What would that look like? As you step out this week, 
you're going to have opportunities to encounter areas of your life that may not be living from God's right design. What a joy. What a joy. You've discovered something that I can let go of and I can step into newness. Let me tell you, the saddest part of people is their blind spots. Because if I see it, I can do something about it. If I know that I'm dealing with this, if I know that I've got whatever the issue might be, I can deal with it because I'm aware of it. The hardest people to deal with are people who have blind spots. Because you go and speak to their family and they'll all tell you how terrible it is. And you go and speak to their friends and they'll all tell you how awful it is. But you go and speak to the person and they're horrified. (gasps) Me! I'm offended. Oh, that's a sensitive word for me these days. Okay, I'll just leave you this parting thought because I have to say that about this. Please grow beyond offense. Please. You know what? I can't live in offense and grow into my righteousness. Because the thing about it is iron sharpens iron. But we never want to run into anybody because they might hurt me. Maybe they're telling you something that you need to see. Maybe they're telling you something that's been plaguing you forever and a day. And nobody else had the courage to tell you. Everybody at work talks behind your back because nobody wants to say anything. All of your friends will sit and gossip on the phone and they'll never say anything to you. But somebody will sit up and say to you, you know what? I'm offended. I'm leaving. I'm not interested in those people. I'm not having that friendship in my life anymore. They just don't appreciate me and value me for who I am. Maybe they love you too much to leave you where you are. Words will never hurt you. They are words. Take them for what they are. You know what? If you're big, we are. All of us are. When we're big and we're mature, you know what happens? People can say stuff. And what we do is we process it and we sit and say, I see that. Holy Spirit, we've got to do something on this. And if you don't see it, go and sit and say, Holy Spirit, talk to me a little bit about this. Because you know what? Somebody brought this to my attention. And if it doesn't resonate, don't worry about it. It's okay. Just move on with life. It's okay. It's just a word. It's just a word. God has an incredible design for our life. If you want to know what your design is, have a look at Jesus. If you want to know where you should be going, that's the plan. That's the destiny. That's what he's put in place. The whole point about repentance is sitting at a, in a very practical way, putting myself in a place where I say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me all the time. Show me Christ. Show me Jesus in the areas of my life. Because what am I doing? I need for you to give me the stepping stones to walk into destiny. I can't guess it. I need for you to show me. What a room of fabulous people. Hey? Gifted, blessed, anointed, power. Imagine what we could do in Northern Virginia. Isn't that exciting? Father, I just want to thank you for every person that's represented here. I want to thank you, Father, that you built every person here for what you've designed them to do. And I'm so excited about their life, even if they're not. I'm excited about their life. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come into their lives like a tidal wave. 
And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you move in there. And I pray that you touch them in ways that they've never been touched. I pray that you flood over areas, that you ignite passion. I pray that you just illuminate how you want to get involved with them and the places that you want to take them. I want to thank you, Father, that every person here walks into their destiny and what you've designed for them. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And even when we get upset and even offended for all the people who aren't here, those people, I thank you, Father, that you still hold them tight and you sit and say, you know what? We can deal with this and we can move forward. I bless you and I thank you that every person here is blessed and prosperous. And I want to thank you that the week that they enjoy ahead is full of encounters and relationship with you. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.